Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex and this week I am joined by Matthew. Hello. And Simon Cardi. How are oh, you, Simon? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. This is like... What is that? Someone screaming at us from a computer. Cut me off. I was going to say how lovely it is to be on the podcast. Uh, uh, actually, my watch was speaking. Your watch, I don't know why. unbelievable. <laughs> what well, am I watch? My watch, your watch. Um, no, it's nice to be. It's just like the second time in three weeks I've been on that I haven't hosted. It feels weird. Ooh, are you uncomfortable? No, I quite like it. It means I don't have to worry about it if I can just give opinions that no one wants to hear. <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants your opinions, <laughs> and even if they don't tough because that's what they're going to get mm-hmm. uh we are recording this the day after the game awards which rather stupidly you stayed up for three and a half hours yeah of, yeah i went to bed at half four well, but you know i'm committed slash a mild insomniac so what do you want from me <laughs> i wouldn't say committed is well maybe you are but yeah. i'm not sure what for <laughs> <laughs> i just think well there were very few awards Mm-hmm. And lots of game announcements, yeah. specifically cinematic trailers. Yeah, um, didn't see a whole lot of gameplay stuff. No, going and on even some of the stuff that said it was gameplay, kind of, you know, it was in engine, wasn't it? But a lot of it maybe wasn't I mean, necessarily yeah. gameplay. But we've come to expect this, I think. Um, yeah. The Game Awards is essentially a marketing event now, rather than anything like it's not like mm-hmm. E three where we actually get to go on hands on with them. They are just a bunch of adverts. Yeah. I know we're mainly going to talk about the reveals because that is mainly what people care about. But yeah. it was quite surprising. It takes two winning the main award. Like I'm not necessarily against this. Definitely one of my most, you know, one of the games I have most fun with this year. I just didn't see it coming. So I hadn't won any awards up until that point. It was just like out of the blue. Like I thought, I actually mm. thought maybe Deathloop was going to do it because they won uh, directing and art. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't see it coming. I haven't actually watched the acceptance speech. Was he? Mm-hmm outrageous or uh, was he, he was all right he a... did a good bit of cheering and uh during old joseph harris but he was uh he was he was good fun i i i, I have a soft spot for him i know some people could find him annoying but i i, I quite like his energy <laughs> no mention of the name change or potential name change uh none of that no he, d- he did mention the oscars thing though because how can't he so. right that's fair enough uh, like obviously, one of the other big things that was announced there was Star Wars Eclipse, which is the mm. new Star Wars game by um, Quantic Dreams. Yes, I have no idea what this game is going to be. No, but it certainly looks pretty. That's I feel like there's definitely people torn because they see a really cool looking Star Wars trailer set in it's the High Republic, isn't it? Set mm-hmm. in like basically yep. the history of Star Wars, effectively, and it did look very cool. And then I think a lot of people saw Quantic Dream and kind of went ah. I don't have necessarily that reaction because I don't like putting aside their workplace and the director of that company aside the the games themselves I don't mind their games I really enjoyed mm. Detroit I have a real soft spot for Heavy Rain I know Matt disagrees with me on that one but I, I have a soft spot because the plot Rain. doesn't make sense Cardi but it, I do like Detroit so if their yeah. most recent game I liked like hopefully Star Wars Eclipse is good but the main mm. thing is like you say ours they have not shown what sort of game it is. And you can assume by the fact it's Quantic Dream that it probably is like Mm -hmm. a narrative kind of choice-driven game. But what does that mean for the Star Wars universe? Because like 
there are Jedi's and there are smugglers and there are quite an action packed trailer, isn't it? There's like Hmm, battles, there's like lightsaber duels, there's like that's not something they're really used to doing. I mean, is it gonna be more of like you have lots of trade meetings? Is there gonna be trade blockades you have to negotiate? Who knows? God don't (laughs) I mean the Trade Federation we do see their ships, like the High Republic is obviously the stuff that goes into the prequel era. Mm -hmm. Um and we also see like what looks like Yoda kind of in the in the Jedi Mm. Council kind of room. Oh, if you play as Yoda. That'd be amazing. <laughs> You're just choosing, just like doing Jedi mind new, tricks, new yeah. new children for for your Jedi training. Yeah. Shouting a uh, yaddle, yaddle <laughs> through like loads of balloons. That's what I want. What um <laughs> what was it all about with the people banging the drums? Then what's all that about? I liked it. Do you know what? I originally that trailer started and I thought it was June. I thought it was something June mm-hmm. related because it uh, had that sort yeah, of tone. Like I know they're kind of, you know, Star Wars and June have a lot of shared DNA, especially probably some of that more older Star Wars stuff. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm into, I don't know. I liked, it was dark. I don't know, especially the bit where the figure, I'm assuming he's the villain at the end, is just coming out of tar. That is very uh, mm. Harkonnen from June, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It actually reminded me of the dance scene in whichever Matrix it was. That's what I was thinking when they were banging the drums. I was like, "Oh, in the in Reload." So I watched Reloaded a week ago. That was a mistake because <laughs> it's even worse than I remember. So. Yeah. Oh mm. well. I tell you what, though, Matrix Awakens that looks pretty. Yeah, I haven't. So I was going to play. I just had such a busy day. I tell you, I was going to play it. I think it's only like fifteen minutes long. This, so it's an Unreal yeah. Five demo. If you don't know what it is, so it's like. Just, I, I don't really. So I haven't played it. I don't one hundred percent know, but it looked like you're just basically playing through the scenes of the original film. Uh, what is I don't think it's the original film. I oh, so okay. I watched our playthrough of it. Mm-hmm. I've downloaded it, but I haven't had time to check it out. But it has some kind of intro stuff from Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss. Mm-hmm. Then cuts to a scene. Okay. Um, which I don't think that's from the original Matrix. Oh, is it it's just a car like, chase scene? It's just a generic sort of chase fight scene. Unless it's from the new one, which I have not yet seen. No, but um, but then obviously you're chased by police cars, and then a helicopter comes along, and you're shooting. And it's hard to see from the video whether like how much control you've got over where you're okay. aiming, or whether it automatically locks on. But it, just as a demonstration of what that tech is capable mm-hmm. of is like, I mean, it's incredible graphically it looked absurd like it looked yeah real like it's really in that uncanny valley of looking too real almost like i was so confused yeah. except when they kind of focus on their faces which do look slightly odd they look a little bit um a little bit tarkin in a uh, rogue one <laughs> um but yeah the actual em- environments themselves looked absolutely yeah ridiculous i'm not sure how it plays it just looks like an on-rail shooter for like 10 minutes i think is well that's idea. it i think basically well so that's the first part of it and okay. then it cuts to like you're in the city mm-hmm. uh and they've done it it's kind of like you're running like a simulation of the city so you can mess around with it. you can choose how busy the city is you can change okay. the time of the day and you see the sun moving over the top and the shadows changing like as you're watching it so you've been the arc and then you and then you move around but I think I think that's the thing. Obviously, the facial detail looks incredible. You've still got the issue of the animation has to be free enough to enable, mm-hmm. you know, instant input and changes. But it just doesn't have the fluidity or the the realism that obviously okay. the facial recognition yeah. has. I'm definitely going to check it out tonight. I mean, yeah. by the looks of it, it's about what 15 minutes long. So you know, yeah. Um, but like I say, I think if that's the way that games are going mm-hmm. in terms of graphics. 
I am super excited. Mm-hmm. I like graphics. Do you like graphics? <laughs> no, I do, yeah. graphics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care how good the game is, as long as it looks. <laughs> Just looks good. That's that's not actually true. Oh, but will yeah. you go? Will you travel five hours to look at a nice sunset? Will you do that? Do you know what? This is why I'm not a graphics. What's it? Sorry, is that a link to something? No, no, no. I was just asking. Okay. Like, you know, how much do you like the natural <laughs> beauty of our world? I was wondering. Why five hours? I don't know. It was just a random time. I don't okay. know how long does it take uh, to download I do like, the. I Matrix do like getting up early in the morning and watching the sunrise. I do. That is something do I do. I can't remember the last time I saw a sunrise. That's because you stay up till half four at night. That's yeah. why. No, Actually, if you stayed like up a little the... bit later, you yeah. probably could. That's right. I, I like the darkness. Uh, not the band, although you know, first album no. I ever bought was The Darkness. We're getting off track. We are. Uh, Suicide Squad. Yes. That to me was probably one of the highlights of the of the games where they actually showed gameplay because mm-hmm. yeah. you could see its ties to all of the Arkham games. You know, I have got complete faith in Rocksteady in that they're going to produce mm-hmm. something that's exceptionally polished. It looks fantastic. Um, it just looks fun. It looks like a combination of. The, what Rocksteady do so well, but also kind of bringing in what Insomniac have been doing recently with Spider-Man and Sunset Overdrive, that sort of movement to it. Like, and Remind the fact that this is a four-player game. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to jump into this with like, three friends I'm, and just play it all. <laughs> I'm really pleased that it's not. I was slightly concerned it might just be a reskin of Arkham. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you can tell it's from the same studio. I think it looks like it plays quite differently. Like, it's mm-hmm. a lot faster, because Arkham's quite... Even though it's smooth, it's quite methodical. It's very, because mm-hmm. it's got its stealth roots to it, is very much about kind of being a methodical predator. Whereas this very much embraces the chaos of being an anti-hero. Yep. And yeah, I, I like the look of it more than I ever expected I would do. Who, which uh, character are you, you, you fancying? Oh, this is the thing, is like, I feel like I'd probably go for Deadshot because of, like, I like having the range, but also... Like this, you've got to play King Shark, haven't you? You've got to, yeah. Really? See, Boomerang's the one for me. I think. Just oh, no. looking Boomerang at... is the one I will never play. Really? I can't stand Captain <laughs> Boomerang. He's a terrible character. So, yeah, I'm not not from a character point of view, but just the way you move. Like that sort of looks like the way I like to play games. Like I like to have a fast character that can move mm-hmm. like a lot of movement. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. I think I don't know. Yeah, maybe Deadshot, Harley Quinn. Basically. Like King Shot's the one that doesn't appeal to me most because I never really go for the tankier characters in games. I assume these are going to have slightly slight roles to them. I don't know how mm-hmm. much it's like mm-hmm. that. If there's yeah. like skill trees and stuff like that, it's just the it's just the meme though, isn't it? Of being able to yeah. run around as a giant fucking shark and like presumably mm-hmm. eating people. Like that's the the deal, right? He's going to yeah. be able to tear people's arms I- off. I can't wait to play this game. This is definitely one of my most anticipated games now. Uh, did they actually? Have they said when it's out yet? They have. It's still just next year, isn't it? Is that the rough? Because mm. um, we don't. Is um, what's the Ark- Arkham Knights? Isn't it? is it Arkham Knights? Oh, Gotham of course, Knights. Yes. Gotham Knights. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When's that's like? Have they said summer, spring, or have I just everything's quite? Am I just guessing moment, in my head it? that it's that? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Like, I think pretty much any release date you get given at the moment, you might as well just like mm-hmm. just don't bother think about it and just wait till it comes out. Exactly. Yeah, I can't wait to play that one though. Um, we also got our first glimpse of, of Alan Wake two, and it yes. literally was a glimpse. Now I mean, I've not actually played the first Alan Wake, haven't so you? I oh, don't it's, have it's very good. The remaster only came out a few weeks ago. It holds up really well. I think. Gameplay-wise, it 
maybe doesn't hold up the same, but I still think it's one of the best examples of like scene setting and story in a game that I've played. And the fact that the sequel is they've Sam Lake uh, was there at the game awards and he said this is Remedy's first go at a survival horror game. So it's a sequel, but a completely different sort of games. The first game's an action game, more what you'd expect from Remedy. I'm excited to see what they're doing with that, especially because they kind of leaned into a bit of that horror with control and the control Alan Wake DLC. So yeah, I'm I'm I couldn't be more excited for this. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think I really liked. You know, obviously the trailer doesn't show us pretty much anything of what the game is going to be. It's very much mm-hmm. a mood setting piece. But that switching between kind of bright falls, like the place where it was originally set, and yeah. this more like cityscape kind mm-hmm. of place, a much more urban kind of more grim. I didn't sort know of if it was like New York because there are like flashbacks to New York on there in the mm-hmm. original. I didn't know if it was doing because obviously they're building out this. They stayed here with Control bringing out this Remedy-connected universe, so if it does kind of blend into Control somehow, I mean, it's got but to, thing, really. If it's set in New York, it also means the potential of Max, Max Payne, right? Yeah, and if there's another Max Payne, or oh, God. Oh, I'm getting too excited now. I think Remedy <laughs> are very good. Didn't know if you knew mm. that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, hopefully. Well, I bet you it's not till E3. Yeah, well, they said, he said on stage, like, it's very early in development. Like, they've just put 2023 as a date, and yeah, they're going to go quiet until next summer at the earliest. So, I just on slight tangent, I do wonder because there were so many announcements. Mm -hmm. Um, Carly, you've literally just finished putting together a video of every announcement. It took too long. Like, I wonder, obviously, the big stuff is going to stand out, mm-hmm. but you do feel for some of the smaller things, like, it's like, is this beneficial to you going on this? Well, even I some even some bigger games, like, we're going to get onto it soon, I think, like, a game like Forspoken, which is a big, like, Square Enix action RPG game. Just, like, I completely forgot that they showed that off again when I woke up this morning. Like, there's so many games that yeah. they, they showed, like... Yeah, it's just a barrage. And then they have all the advert breaks where they show you trailers for games that are out now, and you just kind of lose track of... There must have been, like, over 100 games shown off. A sensory overload. Mm-hmm. Especially at 4am in the morning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I got on with it. I had bejeweled on... I was two-screen, I bejeweled on the big screen. I must have played about five hours of consecutive bejeweled three. That's what the Xbox you, Series X is you for. You are living your finest life. Uh, I can't wait for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, what else? Well, yeah, I was going to say one thing. I wasn't expecting. I don't think anyone was expecting was a Wonder Woman game, especially from Monolith. But yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. <laughs> well, they didn't. I didn't show a lot. Did no, they? Ricardo, but they you have... were telling me that they've already announced that it's got its own version of the Nemesis so system, right? There's detail on the on their official YouTube channel. I believe there's a little bit more detail to it, and yeah, it's a single player only open world game that uses the Nemesis system. So. I mean, that's kind of what you want from Monolith, really. I think I pitched mm. jokingly, like, I'd like to see Monolith make a Matrix game using the Nemesis system with different agents. I think that would work really well. I never thought, you know, for one second we'd get another DC game in the works as well. But, yeah, I'm interested. How do you think that's going to play, like, with Wonder Woman, Matt? I mean, I guess kind of, like, in terms of, like, it would probably be a little bit Spider-Man-y in that, like, you'll use mm-hmm. the whip to kind of get around a city, um, God knows which one of the actual kind of. Uh, I think this is. I presume it will be set in one of two worlds. So I don't know if it's like half Themyscira, half a city, or something. I think you have to have Themyscira in it, and then you choose one of the kind of like metropolis-style cities that mm-hmm. are in the in the DC universe. Um, 
I hope like a huge part of Wonder Woman is the hopefulness of that character and actually just genuinely saving people. So I hope it's got, you know, mm-hmm. some crime, actual crime fighting in it rather than just big bad guys. But if they do the Arkham Knight thing of kind of having um, a bunch of kind of like the smaller villains work as side quests, but they are powered by the nemesis system. Mm-hmm. So those side quests become dynamically kind of like variant depending on, you know, what you're doing and how you damage them. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we really don't have much to go on, do we? Apart from, no. sounds like a good fit to me. Uh, and then Ark Raiders was a bit of a surprise by some ex-Dice people. Again, another gorgeous-looking game. This was um, definitely, and I think maybe Matt's on a similar plate, definitely one of my picks from the show. Like, this one impressed me. Not only it was a great use of uh, Dance On My Own in the trailer, mm-hmm. great song, and um, just the style of it. I love that sort of futuristic sci-fi yeah almost but almost a bit spit like almost a bit super a like abram spielberg to it it's got a Mm. slight kind of obviously the the you know the music choice and the logo design Mm -hmm. is very very 80s kind of retro but like you say it's got that the machines aren't kind of overly it's a co-op kind of mech Mm -hmm. hunting game for anybody that hasn't seen the trailer but the way that those mechs are designed has got that kind of like amblin as in like they're not aggressive and evil looking. Yeah. They're just kind of very big, mysterious like kind of, of um, items. Spielberg's War of the Worlds a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain amount of like heft and kind of like ominous to them. But it's not like I mean, it's not like you're fighting horror robots or anything like that. And I like mm-hmm. that kind of vibe. Do we that know it's got what? Going. I didn't really. I didn't read up much more about the game apart from the trailer. Do we know what? Is it like a single player? Is it open world? Or is no, it it's co-op? a co-op game, and I'm okay. fairly sure it's free to play. Oh, amazing! Ooh. Okay, because it's been it's made by. I'm just going to look that up to make sure I'm definitely right. You're not lying to us about. But um, I know it's made by um, Nexon. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a sci-fi PVE for the person shoot with three player co-op and it's going to be free to play on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. Nice. I think it looks wicked. Yeah, I'm into it. I think it looks really nice. As usual as I always say with you is how it actually plays will be a big test of it, but Mm -hmm. from that it looked it looked good. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, Same for Sonic Frontiers. I never expected (laughs) to say I quite look. I'm well, quite looking forward you to You saw Sonic some games. towers that look like Breath of the Wild, and you thought that looks. Well, good. that's it. <laughs> it and it, and it's not going to be a patch on Breath of the Wild, I am sure. Mm-hmm. But it still looks. It's it's. My boy loves the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, mm-hmm. so if I can play a decent Sonic game, that's not just because we've played all the side-scrolling ones and all that kind of stuff. Nothing's really kind of clicking with him anyway. But if this is a decent open-world Sonic game. I'd be well up for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the big for me. Yeah, that, that's the big <laughs> word you've said no there soul, is man. if and decent. Like, yes. I don't know. I struggle to get excited for anything Sonic. It doesn't really. I have no attachment to Sonic whatsoever. Like, if this game starts preview and reviewing really well and it looks really good, I'll give it a go. But you know, it also you know I didn't really get a sense of what, like you said, it was fairly cinematic, wasn't it? I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'd I also. Know didn't think it looked as in like visually i thought it looked kind of garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't like the look of it at all don't like the art style don't like the I the kind like of like the look of the tech we need we need some more no more don't we i still haven't seen the first sonic film as someone who has seen the first sonic film about two dozen times probably alex how how does the second one look to you i thought it looked really good <laughs> <laughs> it's um again so i watched the trailer with my son 
Mm-hmm. And immediately after watching it, he wanted to watch the trailer again and then wanted to watch the film. So I had to explain that it's not out for another sort of six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I went in watching... In fact, the first Sonic film was the last film I saw just before the pandemic okay. kind of came in at the cinema. And uh, I went in being a cynic, expecting it to be rubbish. But it's actually just pretty fun. It's, you know, obviously it's mindless. You're not going to get particularly challenged out of it. But there are some funny moments in it. I think Jim Carrey's quite good in it. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he dialed it up in the first film. He's gone even crazier He's got the tash in the now. second one. <laughs> he's <laughs> definitely got the tash. Um, again, like some of the special effects, uh, special effects look pretty ropey. Like when Tails is flying the plane and Sonic's mm-hmm. on top. Got but, sexy you know, knuckles now, though, Idris Elba. It's got sexy knuckles, yeah. <laughs> That sounds, that sounds like a band name. <laughs> sexy, sexy Knuckles. Sexy knuckles. <laughs> For some reason, the first thing that popped to my head was uh, maybe because I'm thinking of games, was Gamescom and the pork knuckle, but I would never describe a German pork knuckle as sexy, I don't think. <laughs> no, 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 neither would I. You know, I'll eat one, but, you know, it's not appetising to look at, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah. No, honestly, I thought the Sonic 2 trailer looked really good. Film uh, of the year. And I'm absolutely going to go to the cinema and watch that. Film of the year. Well, when we do our look ahead to 2022 on, on one of our future podcasts, yeah. expect to hear all about that. <laughs> okay. If well, what else is there to say? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> are we, we are for, um, yeah, go on. Well, the, some of the other things that you've listed down here, yes. I didn't even know what Thirsty Suitors was. So oh, I had yeah. to go and find it. And I was like, I was not expecting that as uh, a video game. It's, it's a small little Annapurna uh, game. It's an action rpg which you maybe wouldn't get from watching the trailer about skating and dating so it's basically very i think unashamedly a scott pilgrim ripoff yep. it's basically that same conceit like you play as a woman who has obviously got several exes who she wants to fight like that is the plot of scott pilgrim but uh gender reversed so yeah it looks it looks fun to be i'm into it who knows how it plays but i'm into i'm into the tone of it it's, yeah, it certainly wasn't what I was expecting. Like, Matt, are you excited for Space Marine 2? Oh, what a question to ask. That we've been <laughs> waiting 10 years for. If, everyone, if anybody doesn't know, Space Marine was a game that came out 10 years ago. It's kind of a bit like Gears of War, but amped up on the Gothic. And it's, uh, you know, obviously most of that was a, uh, a pre-rendered cinematic but it's the yep. sort of pre-rendered cinematic that gives me goosebumps. Thought it looked fucking incredible. <laughs> you saw big lads in big armor and big necks. Not just big lads, but Very it's big Titus lads. from the original game. He's crossed the Rubicon Primaris. He's become an even bigger lad. Oh, I knew bigger he would. Bigger armor. I knew he would. I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. No. Like, uh, it's, it's a fucking game where you cut tyranny, like Xenomorph-style things up with giant chainsaws. Why would you not want that? That's true. Maybe it's maybe it's actually pretty true. brutal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Warhammer for you. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, speaking of something that was discussed, I know we're going on to the, the smaller games, but we we forgot to mention Hellblade Two, which just looks horrible, doesn't mm. it? I mean, it looks beautiful in one hand, but on the other hand, looks absolutely horrible. <laughs> that <laughs> giant thing is disgusting. Yeah, like, the way it moves. the way it moves, yeah, is gross. It's super the gross. um, I know it was described as uh, straight gameplay. I think they said it was gameplay, like, but that is kind of that game kind of blurs the line, doesn't it, between. C- certain sections of that definitely look like you were controlling Senua, you were running and throwing a spear. Mm-hmm. 
I felt like about 70% of it, though, was just cinematic. The original game kind of is almost like a cinematic that you play, though. Like, like mm. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the original Hellblades, and part of that is I think it's, like, interest in looking so cinematic kind of ruins the gameplay. Like, I think its camera is always so close to get the cinematic angle on Senua, but that mm-hmm. means that it's very difficult to read the combat. Um, I kind of feel like I might be getting the same vibe from this one but i remain open-minded i did like the idea of fighting a giant that was like trying to crawl through a cave mm-hmm. network no, never seen that horrible. before and um like we said it just it's, it's an obvious thing to say but one of the most beautiful looking games to come out i think that and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more it is the sort of game i'm with you on the same in the same boat as you i think on hellblade matt like i i i, I liked it and i appreciated what it was doing but i don't think it's necessarily a great game so yeah, I'd want to see the second maybe be a bit more fun. I know they're not necessarily aiming for fun with what their game is, but uh, yeah, who knows? Do you know what thing that does look mad, though? Slitterhead. Oh, God. <laughs> what a weird fucking thing that is. Like, I know so, it's from... It's the guy that did Silent Hill, right? That's yes. the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's... He's gone to some weird places for this. <laughs> I would just say he's gone. He's gone. He's absolutely gone. I mean, gone. maybe he has gone, but... <laughs> I was uh, I was very surprised at some of the the imagery is like really gross. Oh yeah, if this. you didn't see this, it was basically just like a couple of times you just see a normal everyday Japanese people getting on with their lives, and then suddenly this mass their head just like opens like um what are the uh, in Stranger Things what are the, uh, the creatures demigods a bit like that like their faces just open up and just loads of teeth emerge like. I don't know what sort. I'm, like, if this is a survival horror, like Silent Hero, if it's more of an action horror game, but it just looks mad. It's just like people walking around with teeth in their head. I know we walk around with teeth in our head, but it's not quite the same. <laughs> believe not vertically, me. Not yeah, vertically. not on the top of your head. Yes. Um, I've not actually checked that trailer out. I'm, I must do oh. it. And, uh, yeah, I don't let Ed watch it. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> you can watch Sonic. Uh, Stick to Sonic. And what's Nightingale? Because I don't remember seeing uh, that. Either. Nightingale is made cool. by X Bioware devs, which is why I have an interest in it. But it's not a Bioware style RPG. It's not like people going and doing what they knew. It's a survival game set in a Victorian fantasy kind of universe. So I'm guessing it's probably got a certain amount in common with like Valheim. Um, right. And that's not normally the sort of games I go for, even though I've heard that Valheim is getting closer to what I'd want from those sort of games. But I love the look of it. Like it's got this. It's it's a lot more visually interesting than I expected. A kind mm-hmm. of like small startup to do. Um, but that kind of combination of it's not quite steampunk, but it's got that kind of very you know bowler hats and and top hats and really nice kind of old vintage fashions with a mixture of kind of old hat guns and magic and like these beautiful kind there's a bit at the end of it 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 seems to have a lot to do with building portals to get between different areas Mm -hmm. and it does a full-on like avengers endgame steal where one person comes out of the portal they're facing kind of a threat and then like all of their friends come out the portal to Mm -hmm. kind of back them up and have a big battle like that i thought looked pretty cool i was interested in the style of this game and i like the big giant i'm always you know, a lot of giants mm-hmm. this year. Big year for giants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, as soon as they were like, yeah, it's like a like civ building thing. I was like, town building stuff. I was like, I'm not too into this. And then they cut to like some 
FPS gameplay, which didn't look very good. Like that did the shooting didn't look great. But I, I was a bit confused what's going on. I, I see. Yeah, I like the style. I'm not sure it's for me. I think it's. They said it's launching next year, free to play on PC only. I think. I know. Um, is, isn't it coming out early access? I don't think it's early it's, access. Is it not? I thought it, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it's shared world co-op, isn't it? So it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think this might be one that passes me by. But like you said, there's the pedigree there, which is intriguing. So they, yeah, I'm intrigued to there. see kind of like how people that presumably works largely on narrative mm-hmm. are kind of working, you know, in a in a more kind of like sandboxy sort of environment, yeah. which obviously is a lot of what Obsidian has done with um, with Grounded. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of interested to see where that goes. That's a kind of similar thing to how I feel about Somerville, which is like the pedigree behind that game is why I'm so excited. And yeah. it just looks amazing as well. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Somerville is, it's indie. It's an indie, like, it looks like a side-scrolling sort of... I'm not sure if it's a puzzle game. I'm sure there's puzzles. Like It's basically from one of the uh, co-founders of Play Dead Games who are behind Limbo and Inside. It's got that sort of vibe to it. It looked a little bit less horror and more almost like sci-fi adventure-y. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again... Big Spielberg influences, I think. I mean, it's hard not to be influenced by Steven Spielberg, I think. But you know, yeah, I'm I'm into it big time. I think it's out early next year. I think it's spring. Uh, so yeah, lovely. There we go. It certainly looks good. And then, like one of the other things, Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre. I saw that. I thought of Dale Driver straight yeah. away. You didn't mm. think of me. I find that offensive. I, you, you don't see Leatherface, and you don't think <laughs> exactly. of me. The, that's a good thing isn't the it the first thing i the first thing i thought of uh first person i thought of was our friend daniel Cooper. i sent him a message straight away going texas chainsaw uh game announced uh leatherface is a beautiful man um <laughs> i i love the original texas chainsaw massacre and that's why i'm so excited for this because i feel like this is finally the one that speaks to me of these sort of they said it's of a multiplayer games. game i'm guessing yeah. it's a similar sort of deal to friday the 13th it's made by the same predator. people isn't it is it I'm sure it said at the start that it's got like the developers, like not it's not the it's not developer, it's not Elphonic, it's not no. the studio, yeah. Oh, right. but, but it's, it's from people the, okay. from those that that the, you know, that have quit and moved on. The thing is, Friday Thirteenth, very fun game. Uh, had a lot of laughs of it. I've never loved the Friday the Thirteenth series. I, I enjoyed the first film in that series a bit. Never, it's not it's not ever a horror series. I love Predator. Same, I enjoy Predator. I don't. You know, I don't have a love for Predator. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the best horror films ever made. I love that film. If I'm basically, if it's 4v1, like, young people versus Leatherface, I'm into it. I, uh, yeah, I love it. They added Leatherface to Call of Duty Warzone last year, and I was all over that. So, uh, yeah. Give me more Leatherface. Leather How many times can I say Leatherface? <laughs> I want to play the Leatherface game. Uh, and I guess we also got our first glimpse of the Halo TV show. Yes, which it was a lot shorter okay. than I thought it was going to be. It was hardly yeah, a trailer. To see more. Hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm obviously not a Halo expert like some other people here, but um, <laughs> it looked like they kind of got the look of it right to me. Yeah, I think kind of like, you know, all of the UNSC uniforms look great. Like, I think the Master Chief armor looks pretty good. There's a, when he first shows up in that trailer. I'm slightly concerned that the show might end up looking a bit cosplay. That is exactly what I thought. It looked a little bit like a cheaper Mandalorian at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'll take a cheaper Mandalorian, like, as long as he keeps the helmet on. Like, I don't want to see Pablo Trider's face. 
you know, Master Chief does not take his helmet off. We don't want that. Um, yeah. We didn't get to see any Cortana, but like I know that Jen Taylor, who who voices Cortana mm-hmm. in the games, is is doing her for the uh, for the TV show. The main thing that I wanted to see, which I think the show will live and die on, is what the Covenant look like in this show because. Mm-hmm. The Covenant are obviously the main antagonists and uh, will probably be or should be a huge part of this show because the Covenant are not a shapeless alien. Like They have voices, they have a whole goal, they've got a religion, they've got politics. And that needs to be in the same way that Game of Thrones is to a degree. Like That needs to be half of the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the budget's like on this. Like It looks like they've obviously got enough to build a load of suits and, and kind of like have like the aircraft and stuff like that and we got to see high charity which is their kind of like you know spaceship slash home planet but not seeing what like a grunt or a, or an elite mm-hmm. looks like when they will be a major presumably a major part of it it's just like um i was talking to joe the other day about how wheel of time is one of the most expensive shows ever made that's out on um, amazon at the moment and even that can't get its monsters to look all that great yeah like in a in a sort of show that's going to be against about the war against uh like an alien like collective yeah. of alien races like grunts are fucking weird in the games like what are they how are yeah. they translating yeah. that into yeah. into a tv show do you like, especially of... if it's going to take itself seriously i don't know mm-hmm. which it certainly looks like it is from yeah that it didn't look trailer. like it was too tongue-in-cheek or anything like did you get a sense from that or have they said anything like are they following the story of like the first game or are they doing their own thing with it? see it's so difficult to tell from there like the idea that kind of like it's showing high charity means that it is about the fight with the covenant which is the original trilogy and you know kind of like the bungee games as well like we've seen things that look like it's set on earth and obviously earth is a big part of the original storyline but it's too early to tell whether it's just a straight adaptation, I think, mm-hmm. or whether it's something different. I'll check it out, but I'm, I'm just, I just hope it's good for your sake, Matt. I don't, I don't want them to ruin it. Me too. I mean, I like Mr. Spielberg, and he's, he's involved. He's decent at what he does, isn't he? Just a bit. Mm. Yes. Um, I didn't realise you were so much of a Halo aficionado, Matt. I, I, I love realize... Halo. Absolutely Halo. adore it. <laughs> well, so, like, obviously campaign for halo infinite came out this mm-hmm. week after a what was it a seven year wait or six years or a long time yeah uh and you finished it um last week what are your thoughts what are my thoughts um so all of them right after it's a very it's, i've got very very nuanced uh thoughts on I this because i've been able like, to sit here like and it, wait <laughs> i do i really like it a lot but i think it's a game that comes like achingly close to greatness but doesn't quite make it Mm. but i think sets a new kind of bar for halo and i think one of these where like whatever halo infinite 2 is or what you know if it just has like campaign 2 or whatever i think is is in a really good place to work for bringing halo back as like this incredible piece i think what this does is it's a game that's very in love with Halo 1 and very specifically in love with two missions from Halo 1, which is Halo and um, and the Silent Cartographer. And it uses that as a blueprint for creating what is uh, an open world game that's almost not an open world. Basically, you've got kind of missions that are then interspaced with you then go back, like linear missions, and you go back into an open world and then you jump into a linear mission. Yeah, My 
I think the way that it works that open world, I think, is really, really strong. I think the combat is the best that Halo's combat has it's ever great, been. isn't it? The, yeah. the grapple hook is incredible, and the way that you can use that to either mm-hmm. slingshot yourself into enemies and then hit them with a shockwave at the end of it, or pick up fusion coils, which everybody's been doing in multiplayer, and hurl them at Covenant. Well, I'll say Covenant, the banished as they are now. Like all of that works incredibly well. I think its level design is pretty strong, and I think its world design is pretty strong. What I think it suffers from is story and mission design. So whilst I think all of the linear kind of levels that you do in the campaign are pretty well designed, on a mission scale, they're not offering anywhere near the variety that I expect out of a Halo game. Yeah. And so what that does is it means you're playing in a lot of Forerunner installations that mean a lot of kind of triangular-shaped blue corridors. There's a lot of blue corridors in that game. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think... The actual, their thought around the space is always very interesting. Like a lot of those corridors are on multiple decks, so you can swing between the decks with your grapple hook. You can create interesting flanking moves even though you're inside. Um, You are fundamentally seeing the same style of architecture over and over again, which is something that Halo 1 did. Halo 1 presumably did this because at the time it didn't have a colossal budget because it wasn't the biggest, one of the biggest shooters that Microsoft had at the time. Yeah. I expect a little bit more. Halo 3, I think, is the bar for the amount of variety that a Halo game has ever had. And I was waiting for the point where I'd have something like in Halo 3, there is a mission where two scarab tanks drop out of the sky and then you get into the Hornet helicopter and you fly around and then you board those giant scarab tanks and you destroy their insides and then you watch them explode. And that is like such a phenomenal kind of like expression of the freedom of the... Halo's sandbox level design, you never get that despite the fact that quite a lot of this game is set mm-hmm. in an open world. Yeah. And that I think is like upsetting to me that kind of like it's all those moments are the things that you have to create yourself. They're never these cool orchestrated moments mm-hmm. because at the moment the levels are very much inside in Forerunner uh, sort of like setups, very much asking you to do similar things in each mission. So I wish that had been better. I also wish the way it told its story was better. This is a game that tries to essentially lay the foundation for a new Halo story for newcomers that has a new threat, has a new reason for kind of Master Chief to fight, whilst also wrapping up all of the storylines of Halo 4 and 5. And the way it does that is by almost pretending that there was a Halo 6 that never got made and you've got to work out what happened in that game. And it becomes almost like a weird mystery game. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really do a good job of telling you what has happened in this six-month period that you've not played. No. And it basically exposition dumps it all at the almost the very end of the game. And I don't think it's a very satisfying send-off mm-hmm. for certain elements of that previous stuff. But I think it sets up an interesting, if kind of, very standard halo storyline to go forward from here but that's the thing i'm not in this game for story like i've Mm -hmm. said for i've never been into halo particularly the story i knew coming into this game i was going to be fairly lost on where the story was i'm kind of you know i can kind of get a gist of what's going on there's some loose story beats in the open world to follow so it's not really so much of a minus against it for me just because i knew i was never going to be into the story if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i'm only a few hours in still so I'm still at the point where everything does still feel 
quite fresh. I haven't re- really repeated any missions or activities yet, so I'm still yeah. having a great time. And it is a good open world, like you said, the grapple hook. I'm getting to grips with using that to properly play like Spider-Man now, and mm-hmm. just the amount of different weapons. It's, it's just so fun. And I'm using them. Like I've played already played like 40 or 50 hours of multiplayer i think and yeah like know what weapons i like using that bit i just love how in the campaign i'm just like using weapons i never even thought to use in multiplayer just because they're much more fun to use versus grunts and things that go down yeah. easily you kind of rediscover like obviously those those weapons are well balanced for multiplayer mm-hmm. and i think largely i think especially as time goes on people are starting to find out where those weapons sit in the multiplayer kind of like yeah. sandbox. So I know, uh, you know, initially people didn't get what the Pulse Carbine was for, but people are starting to realize it's a long range weapon rather than a short, which means it's basically useless in the quick play matches, but much more useful on the big team battles. Yeah. But you put them into the storyline where that, where, you know, that becomes then an open world sandbox and the combat has so many different beats that you can play through every single weapon has its part i think kind of like like the disruptor and the shock rifle is brilliant because you can just take out vehicles whereas vehicles have always been like a real kind of tricky spot in a halo game Mm -hmm. if you can find a disruptor you can just stop a tank for kind of like a good like 10 seconds or so yeah yeah i just it feels incredibly satisfying when Mm -hmm. you do that and then you grapple up and then get in it in yourself and take over but then they shoot you with the same thing and you're like Mm-hmm. I was flying a banshee, yeah. same thing, and then just like just falling down to mm-hmm. back to the ground. It's a great feeling shooter. It's as good a feeling shooter as probably since Titanfall two for me and the the weapons in yeah. that game. Like and you know, adjacent to that Apex. Like it, it just feels so good to play. And I just I know Halo music is something that everyone's always said is amazing. Like I've sometimes just I love the music that plays when you're just in one of the FOB bases and you're just mm-hmm. it's like the little drum rolls. It just reminds me, it reminds me of the opening of JFK, which takes me to a happy place. Um, but <laughs> the uh, way the sound as well, like yes. some of the musical cues that it does it almost even though it's obviously an algorithm that's looking at how you're playing and it's like okay the combat is building up now so now we'll put this music in mm. it sometimes feel like feels like that music's been hand placed like the halo theme always kicks in at the right yeah. point yeah it's very good fun i'm looking for yeah like i said many a few hours in definitely gonna finish it and don't know i haven't decided yet if i'm gonna do everything in it but um i'm definitely gonna try and find all those multiplayer skins mm-hmm. because i'm like that yeah, I think one of my like my little disappoints was little little disappointments was is that as you go on you realize that kind of like all of the open world activities that you do in the first kind of 4 or 5 hours are basically you're just seeing those the same ones further yeah. on and I was hoping for a little bit more variety. But what I will say is is after having I've recently finished Far Cry 6 and I did not like Far Cry 6 in the slightest. I think it's actually a really dreadful game. Um <laughs> coming here and d- taking down outposts that gave me like there were far less outposts but when they turned up they were big and imposing mm-hmm. and they had a specific objective so it was like this one is a prison complex and you need to save your marines from it or this one has a giant generator in it and you need to open up these silos and blow up these generators to take it over i thought like the fact that you get far fewer objectives than you would do in a open world game but they feel more meaningful when you when you do them and you mm-hmm. get a really distinct tangible reward it's like you've now got enough valor to just drop a scorpion tank in or whatever forward yeah. base you're at like i'd like more variety for the next game that they do in terms of how many different types of open world activities there are but i think the idea of keeping them the list of them shorter and making them feel more meaningful each time i think is 
a good direction for Halo to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely it's... agree. I think the only, again, similar point, but it felt like the the world, as beautiful as it is, was a little bit underutilized. And there was, whereas you look at a Ubisoft game, it takes it to the extreme, but there was mm-hmm. just no incidental stuff happening. It is just like you look at your map that you know that you've got these pockets of interest that is going on there and there, but there's nothing in between. And so I did, you know, I just basically went around the world in a banshee for a lot mm-hmm. of it. And that's how I saw it rather than being down on the ground and going, oh, that's cool. And that's cool. And, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's a shame that kind of like it because it almost feels like it's so in love with the first game and he's trying to evoke the feelings of the first game to convince people that, no, this is a, a developer that actually does know what people love about Halo. Yeah. The entire world looks like the opening of the Silent Cartographer, which is just this kind of like alpine forest sort of area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's, a, you know, the Halo mission as well in Halo also uses a lot of that when you're driving around in the Warthog. Um, what it doesn't do is it doesn't, there's not the different biomes on a Halo ring that you get to see. Like there's Halo 1 has a big snowy section and you don't get any of that, unfortunately, in this. And so I'd like you... I assumed that Halo Infinite was going to be you'd explore the entire Halo ring and you don't. And I don't know if the idea is is that as the campaigns go on, you move around the Halo Zeta. Um, I'd like to see more going on there. And I'd like to see more of the campaign actually use the open world because there's only about two missions in the entire campaign that is using the breadth of the open world yep. for its mission design. Most of them are in tunnels. And so I'd like, you know, as I say, I think this is such a good foundation. Like all the things that needed to be good Mm -hmm. are good to the point of being like really polished and excellent. You know, I think the next game stands a chance of being, you know, meaning as much to me as Halo 3 does. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of that open world, just that moment when you first go out into it has that fallout moment, doesn't it? Of going out of the vault. It's just like, okay, now now we're here. Now now the game started. Yeah. I love that moment. It's a very good game. Uh, obviously, if you are playing it at home, then do let us know your thoughts. Uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Uh, also out this week is West Side Story, Simon. One of your favourite films of all time. Remade into another of your favourite films? Oh, I don't know if it's a favourite film of all time, the new one. But it's certainly one of my... I'd probably have it down as maybe my third favourite film of this year. Which is, you know, means it's very, very, very good. Uh, very good. Um, yeah, I think last week I spoke about West Side Story and about how much I liked it. But yeah, I also got the chance to do something I never thought I'd do, which is talk to Steven Spielberg, which was a surreal experience. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Very I did jealous. ask him about Halo, as you'll hear in this interview, and he did not say a single word. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, But there you go. Yeah, here's a little chat I had with Steven Spielberg. No story spoilers for West Side Story, if you can spoil Romeo and Juliet, uh, you know. There you go. Um, but yeah, here's what he had to say about making my side story. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm very good. Amazing. I love the film, by the way. I think it's absolutely spectacular. Oh, so Simon, thank, thank you, you for making it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, I suppose I'd just like to start by asking... Why now, at this point of your career, to make a musical? You know, I could have asked that, that question of myself 25 years ago when I turned 50, you know, because I'd want to make a, I had wanted to make a musical out of the gate when I was in my early 20s and just directing television. I had always wanted to do musicals. And for some reason, it eluded me. 
um, um, when I got more experienced and more successful and I could kind of write my own ticket, um, I developed two or three films that were designed to have music in them, one of them like American Graffiti and one of them a little more like La La Land that came out much, much later. And I just was never happy with any of my own attempts because looming in the background and upstaging everything original that I tried to mount as a musical was always my favorite musical, West Side Story, that had been in my life since I was a 10-year-old kid and my parents brought home the original Broadway cast album. And, mm-hmm. and so that was really my true love. And I just knew, and that was also my, what my true dream to someday be able to reimagine West Side Story. And did it feel like a completely new experience to you? Did it feel like you were back on the set of Jewel or Jaws and like no, doing no, no, it no. from the start again? No, thank goodness I had enough, enough experience points that it didn't feel like I had gone back to square one. But what it did offer me was something that I, I could only imagine to have expected and was so overjoyed when it was exactly what was to be expected. And that is, making a musical is a massively collaborative effort between people who are familiar with things that you have no idea of yet, and you have to learn what they already know. So I can teach them about camera, but they could teach me about movement, especially among people dancing. Justin Peck was a tremendous partner to have as, as my choreographer, and, and Janine Tesori is the musical director who got all the vocal performances out of the kids. And then Stephen Sondheim that collaborated in the making of this movie and sat with us for three weeks. Every day we did vo- vocal recordings of the whole cast. Steve, Steve was there with his notes and his ideas. He was there to, to, to at every single draft of the script, Steve Sondheim gave us notes on the script. To have had the honor to collaborate with the inimitable Stephen Sondheim is one of the greatest honors of my life. And the fact that mm-hmm. he isn't sitting right next to me talking to you where he should have been is something that's going to take all, all of us a long time to get over. I imagine, I mean, obviously it's a terrible loss, uh, Stephen, gone from us, but did he, I imagine he got to see the final film yeah, before he, he passed? Yeah, he showed, I showed it to him in February. He saw it in February, and all he kept saying was, I can't wait to see it in front of an audience. I want to see this in front of a big audience. He kept saying it over and over again. And two weeks ago, he also said, I can't wait for Monday night, the New York premiere of West Side Story. I cannot wait to come to that with, with my husband, Jeff. And so it was a complete shock three days before the premiere when we, when we, we received this, this news. Mm. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, the, if we can go back to how you, kind of how it's different, kind of choreographing the action, how much difference is there in kind of blocking out and choreographing a dance scene in comparison to, say, like a fight scene? I'm thinking, like, I don't know, the bar fight scene in Raiders of the Lost. Like, how does that compare to a dance scene? Well, it compares in a number of ways. For one thing, I have to always make the decision, what is a sustained, uh, what what is going to be a sustained, um, what is going to be a one-er, meaning what am I going to do as a master in one shot and not have any coverage, and what am I going to break up and do so I have more control in the editing room of the rhythm and pacing? Uh, I had to make those decisions way ahead of time with West Side Story, because uh, where I put the camera was completely dependent upon where Justin placed his dancers. And often, when I predetermined a, 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 a shot, Justin had to rewrite the choreography to adapt to the shot that I was predetermined to, 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 to do. And so and that's what, why our relationship was so good, because unlike the bar fight in Raiders or, 
or the, the storming of Omaha Beach and Saving Private Ryan, uh, I didn't have a collaborator like that on any of those films. Now I had somebody that was in charge of a discipline I knew very little about and had no personal skills at all. I have two left feet when it comes to dancing, and I have no singing voice. And so I loved suddenly having full partnership in disciplines that I was not trained to perform or direct others to perform, but relied on those experts to, uh, to, to do their best work so I could do my best work. Amazing. I mean... Is there also any scenes from your previous films that helped on thinking like maybe the opening of Temple of Doom or even like the dance hall fight in 1941? That In my head, they're the closest you've... Not the closest, but, you know, they're close to yeah. musical scenes in an essence. It, that was. George Lucas always knew. He knew because I always said to George, i got to make a musical someday. So George heard me like a broken record talking about wanting to make a musical. And George called me up one day and said, hey, you, we can make a musical. Why don't we do the opening of Temple of Doom as a musical number, uh, an homage to Busby Berkeley with a bunch of dancers, and uh, we'll get a real choreographer, and you can shoot your first musical number. And that was George's idea, because he knew how much I love musicals. Um, um, Danny Daniels choreographed that. And then there was a little bit of a quasi-musical number in um, 1941, which was the uh, Jitterbug Contest. And, and, and that was a little more serious. That was because that number wasn't a main title sequence where it doesn't matter what's happening under the titles. That was part of the storytelling. So I got for the first time to sample an action scene done musically, an action scene that was about a dance gone awry and a dance turning into a, turning into a, a gang, gang fight. Um, and, and so those are my only real two close encounters with the musical genre, and maybe a little bit in Ready Player One in that zero-gravity dance they do to, uh, to the Bee Gees. When did you make the decision to have so... Well, not so much, but there's a great deal of unsubtitled Spanish in this film. Yes. What, why was that so important for you to do it that way? I, I didn't want to subtitle any of the, respa- any of the Spanish out of respect for the, the inclusivity of our intentions to hire uh, um, a, a totally uh, Latino, Latinx cast. Of, to play the shark boys and girls. Uh, that was a mandate that I put down to Sidney Tolan, who cast the movie, that I'm not going to entertain any auditions of anybody who isn't, uh, basically isn't, isn't uh, 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 you know, parents or grandparents or themselves from Latinx countries, especially Puerto Rico. We looked a lot in Puerto Rico. We have 20 performers in our film from Puerto Rico or New York, or, or they're New Yorkans. And... Um, and that was very important, and, and that what goes hand-in-hand hand with my reasoning for not subtitling the Spanish. If I subtitle the Spanish, I'd simply be doubling down on the English and giving English the power over the Spanish. And this was not going to happen on, on this film. I, mm-hmm. I needed to respect the, the language enough not to subtitle it. I think it added a lot to the film. I, I, I enjoyed yeah, the way you Thank did you. that a lot. So. Thank yeah. you. Um, this is gonna. If you'd allow me one detour away quickly, like IGN, we're a very we're a predominantly video games heavy site, and I was just yeah. wondering, like, there's nothing bigger in the world at the moment in the games world than Halo. I was just wondering if you could give us any sort of update on where we are with the TV show, or how much how much you've had to do with that of recent, I, I, recently. I, I have an entire network that's sworn me to silence that said, if you ever get asked about Halo, we want to surprise everybody with it. Don't talk about it this early, so I'm going to listen to the folks over there at Paramount Plus and not say too much right now. That's absolutely fine. I thought that might be the answer. And lastly, my final question is one that is 
going to seem completely random, but we ask it to everyone we talk to because there's reasons I don't have time okay. to go into. But <laughs> have you seen Have you seen Christopher Nolan's film The Prestige? And if so, do you like it? I love I love The Prestige. I love Christian in The Prestige, Christian Bale. I love the cast so much in that movie. But what I love most about The Prestige is the fact that the film fooled me. I thought I, I thought I had it figured out, and I, I didn't figure it out. So I put that film up in the Agatha Christie lofty world. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we absolutely love it, too. So that's mainly why we ask it. So I think that I'm out of time. But before I go, I just want to say thank you for all the films you've made. They mean a lot to me. And yeah, I, I just love them so much. So thank you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate hearing that. Thank you. You're very welcome. I think I'm being ushered out now. Okay, well, I'll see, I'll see you again someday. I'm sure I will. One day, hopefully. One day. Thank in, you so much. In the Stephen. room, in the room, with, without the COVID protocols. We can, we can hope. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Yes, I did ask Steven Spielberg if he's seen The Prestige, and yes, he does agree that it's a fantastic film. It's always good. It's always good to hear that confirmation, isn't it? You don't want to ask Steven Spielberg if he's seen a film, and he goes, "I thought it was terrible." <laughs> I know, there you go. I know. Uh, so now it is time for a very special Halo-themed endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Well, I'm absolutely fucked. Well, <laughs> to be honest, so I put this together before I realized that Matt is quite so into Halo. Oh, okay. Um, I'll sit back on this one. So, well, we might have to do it, uh, uh, tweak it a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> the game is called Halo or yeah. Phalo. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's all based on uh, Halo's mission names because they have, as you've rightly, and you've oh, said a okay. few of them already, mm-hmm. Matt, they have often interesting names. I only remember the names of the good ones, though, and probably not ah. even that many of them. Well, well I only know the only one I knew was the Silent Cartographer, and that's the most famous one, probably. <laughs> So, some of them are real, obviously. Mm-hmm. They are Halo. Some of them are made up by a Halo random word generator. Oh, they okay. are Phalo. Phalo. So, uh, I'm thinking... Why don't you do that... Hey No? Well, I've done it now, so... <laughs> uh, I was going to get you both to sort of say at the same time whether you think it's Halo or Phalo, but I think... Uh, I don't know whether we Am should I getting like you, a... Cardi. Like a golfing handicap. Like, do, do I get an advantage? Well, look, you've got a 50-50 chance, right? That's true, that's true. Maybe I should answer first every time, because I literally will only know one. All right, then. <laughs> Are you ready? Yep. And I Let's want you to say Matt, Halo lose this, or Phalo, yeah. otherwise you don't get anything. Okay. If you lose this, Matt, you have to hang your head in shame. Okay, All I right. can do that. Uh, <laughs> number one, truth and reconciliation. I mean, is it, it Halo be, it could be, or Phalo? Well, that's does the Cardi, point. <laughs> does Cardi have to answer first? Then yes, he yeah. does. Yes, okay. And reconciliation. Do you know what? I, I, I'm going Phalo. Matt, Halo. Oh, for God! This is Halo. <laughs> <laughs> it is from Halo One. Uh, Number two, 
bringer of justice. Halo. Matt? Phalo? It is Phalo. Oh, God. I can see how this is going to go. Number three. The persistent spark. Phalo. That can't be one. Phalo. Phalo. It is Phalo. Point to you both. Well done. Yes. The Uh, thing is, Matt can just match my answers every time now and win. Uh, I trust him, though, to be honest. Do you want me to ask him first, No, I trust him, to be honest. All right. Uh, Number four, the House of Reckoning. And we've already had reconciliation. Do they love the the love reco? Do they love that? The house, the house of reconciliation. There many houses in Halo. House Uh, of Reckoning, not reconciliation. Oh, sorry, the House of Reckoning. That makes all the difference to me, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm going Halo. But there are apartments in ODST. I'm going. I'm going Halo. Okay. I'm also going Halo. It is. It's from Infinite. Of course. Uh, probably haven't played. So, I probably have played that one. I don't know. I've only played. I think it's like, quite near the end. Oh, I, I haven't. Right. I think I've only done three or four main missions. So. Uh, number five, Uplift Reserve. Phalo. That's a bad name for a mission. If it is. Yeah, I think Phalo <laughs> as well. It's Halo. Oh, is it? It's it from, from ODST. Up- What's it called again? Sorry, reserve. Uplift Reserve. This <laughs> is it is a rubbish name. For it. <laughs> uh, number six, Spartans Tempest. That that sounds like a generator failure. <laughs> they all do to be yeah, honest. Yeah, but that one just sounds like they've stuck two words together. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm also going failure on that. Uh, it is failure. <laughs> Point for both of you. Um, number seven. Meridian Station. Halo. Halo. It is Halo. Which one's that from? Alright, Cardi. I can, um, I've got a good guess in bone. You're six points to four. So. Okay. I have played uh, half of Reach, so if there's one from <laughs> early on in Reach, it might ring a bell. <laughs> the Glyph. I... I Yes, Halo. I think that rings a bell for some reason. Halo. Halo. Phalo. What? Phalo, really? It's a Phalo. No. Yeah. Why does that ring a bell? Because <laughs> it sounds like a Halo mission would be I'm sure called that's that, a mission but in it isn't. a game. <laughs> uh, number nine. Uh, you got four more to go. Jeez, I can Astral still win. Inferno. Phalo. Yeah, I agree. Phalo. It is Phalo. <laughs> Astral Inferno. Infer- it, it doesn't sound like lofty. And, like everything in Halo sounds like really lofty and like as if it means a lot. Mm. Crow's Nest. Halo. Yeah, Halo. It is Halo. Because mm-hmm. <sighs> that doesn't sound lofty to me. Well, uh, a crow's <laughs> I mean, nest is quite a crow's nest are. <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, right, two more. Shadow of Pal- uh, Shadow of Paladins. Phalo. Phalo. Is Phalo. You're getting good at this. I'm, do- I'm doing all right. It's just Matt's not failing. <laughs> that is true. Last one. Quarantine zone. Phalo. Phalo. 
It's Halo. Is it Halo? It's from Halo 2. Is it from oh, 2? I thought you yeah. liked that game, Matt. Embarrassing. I do like Halo 2. <laughs> Not that much. I'm just trying to think of when. I guess, is it after the flood outbreak? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Probably had to quarantine. Uh, Whoa. Oh, well. Wow, final that. scores on the door. Yep. You did. You got seven. Considering Simon, I've never played any of those bad. missions, I'm taking it. You know, I've yeah. got a good fifty-fifty there. Uh, and Matt, you got nine. There we go. That's a good exercise. Acceptable. You can acceptable. hold your head think... high. You don't have to hang it in shame. <laughs> but I must admit, uh, I did have fun with a a, a random word generator. <laughs> as, as much fun as you can have with a, a random exactly. word generator. It exactly. was had. Uh, uh, that is the endless search. Uh, how do people send in their own suggestions for an endless search game, Simon? Uh, they send it to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. That's how they do it. That's exactly what they do. And you can send any kind of feedback in as well. Uh, and we have some now. Uh, Matt, I think you've got the first piece. Mm-hmm. So this is from John Summerfield, who says, Hi, guys. In response to last week's podcast, the game I've played through the most times is Final Fantasy IX. It was my first Final Fantasy and is still my favourite. The atmosphere, style, music and characters are so nostalgic for me that it's definitely my comfort game which I will always be happy to go back to. But it's a game I play the same way every time. Which got me thinking, what's the game that you've replayed and made the biggest changes in the way you've played? I, like many others, struggle to be to make the bad guy choices after I've played through a character with good guy choices. I'm currently on my second playthrough of Red Dead 2. The first time I played, Arthur ended his story with incredibly high honour, and I can't bring myself to make and I can't bring myself to make him a bad man. So instead, I've simply left the gang in Valentine, taking Arthur to live a tuberculosis-free life hunting and fishing in the wilderness, never having to listen to Dutch again or go to Guama. I found so many more secrets and interesting things on this playthrough than I did when I was pushing to see where Arthur's story would go. So I suppose the second part of my question is, is there a game that you've enjoyed playing more a second time round due to taking your time or changing the way you play? Thanks and respect to the sea and respect the sea and everything in it, except the island of Guama. Fuck that place. <laughs> uh, Guama's not a nice place. I do love that bit of the game, though. I will say, um, I played Red Dead Two twice, and I I was doing exactly the same thing on my second play on my first playthrough. I played uh, a really nice, honourable Arthur. Uh, second time around, I was like, I'm going to be horrible. I'm going to be a bad man. I just couldn't do it. I got like a third of through the game. I was like, I can't. I feel bad. Like, I love Arthur. I can't. I can't do this to this man. So I, just I don't started think he's being a bad nice. man. No, yeah. no. So I just started being honourable and nice to people. Um, that is definitely a game two times around though that I appreciate how good I think it is. Um, I don't know. I don't tend to replay apart from like Red Dead. I don't tend to replay games that often. If I do, they're not really games that have many choice. I did Disco Elysium. Mm. I've done that like two and a half times. I've kind of done it a, a similar sort of way, though. I have. I've never gone full like um, fascist in Disco Elysium. I'm sure that'd be an interesting way to go. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Is that the headline of this podcast? Never go full fascist. Um, I want to. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe just talk about Halo or something. Nah. <laughs> yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, I redid the kind of areas in different orders when I played it on the second time through, mm-hmm. and also sort of powered up because obviously when you first meet the guardians in that, they're pretty scary, and you run away. So I just wanted to try and tackle them as early on as possible and you can do that once you've kind of got the knowledge on how to kind of fight them so i guess that's slightly different but both times it's still a beautiful and amazing game mm-hmm. i'm playing through um 
the original Dishonored at the moment again. Um, and the first time I played that was very much like by the book stealth, as in like the thief brand of stealth, like very much don't get seen, kind of like only choke people out, don't kill them, um, not even kill the target. Like I'd always make sure I did the the non-lethal kind of like approach to whoever I was actually there to grab. Uh, and this time around, I've still done like non-lethal on all of the targets, just because I think it's kind of it's more interesting to find the solution to take them out non-lethally. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been like happy to kill people, which means that it opens up the creativity side of it. Kind of wanted to go back to it because obviously there's no punishment for killing people in Deathloop, which means that you could be a lot more creative with the world. And I know that that creativity existed in Dishonored, but because there's kind of like a slight moral kind of element to the way that mm. Dishonored works. It sort of discourages you from using it. But like, it's great to be able to stick like a, a, a razor mine on the back of a rat and then take control of the rat and run it into where enemies are and just slice them to pieces with, with that. Um, it makes getting by guards a lot easier when they're actually dead and just in pieces. Um, so I've been enjoying doing that. And the more I've gone through it, like I still felt that I had to adhere to kind of being quite quiet as i played through the 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 original campaign but now i'm on the dlc and playing as dowd who's a bit more of a vicious bastard than corvo is it feels like it's given me permission to like you can just go absolutely hog wild now like nobody's gonna care that you're a bad bass so right yeah i'm just very much butchering every kind of person that gets in my way this time around nice, nice. well not nice but yeah, yeah horrible <laughs> Uh, I've got an email from Bobby from St. George in Utah who says, Hello from across the respected sea. My top tier Christmas movie is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. My wife and I crack up every time the scene comes on when he goes to the doctor about his weight gain and other ailments of becoming Santa. He grabs his belly and shakes it and says, Does this look like a little weight to you? I've not actually seen Santa Claus. Uh, We laugh because my wife had a very similar looking belly during her first pregnancy and I would grab it and quote the line all the time. Oh, no, she would grab it and quote the line all the time. <laughs> Sorry. She's now pregnant again, and I know the joke has to be incoming again. It's only a matter of time. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about Congrats. advent calendars. Uh, he only usually gets the discount ones with terrible chocolate. Mm. I can't stand them. Um, I recently learned that you're supposed to suck on chocolate like a hard candy instead of chew it. Are you? I I. I... I okay. I I do enjoy sucking on chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, uh, that's the best way to uh, savor the true flavor and let it melt in your mouth. Mm-hmm. That's why I I'm chocolate in the fridge, and yeah, I kind of go through a weird. So I have a, uh, I have a I'm a weird person. We know this. So um, say I have like you know you break off. Say you have a bar of dairy milk. I break off yeah. three squares. I <laughs> this is where my brain goes. I the first square, the left side of my mouth. <laughs> The second square what? on the right side of my mouth, and then this I suck like the perfect third. Hat trick. <laughs> then I then I then I then I suck the third one. Uh, I mean, like, is... I've, I've I've done the thing like I've I'll never break been off diagnosed. a line and I'll let the last one melt and eat the first three. I've done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I must say, with Bobby, I don't know what this is like to just let chocolate melt in your mouth because presumably you're eating American chocolate, which is grotesque. But <laughs> wow, shots have been fired, <laughs> but are they incorrect shots? Probably uh... not. Um... But yeah, I yeah I have a weird thing like yeah I've always had that sort of weird of thing like if killer. I if I like you know if I scratch my left ear I then have to like scratch my right right ear I I've always had the weird weird things like that. That's uh, why I'm so organised. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you eat chocolate always, in a weird always, way. Exactly. But yeah, sucking on chocolate is fantastic. 
<laughs> that's the def- the definitive answer right there there's the headline of the podcast <laughs> um yeah Ollie, I, you've got the last piece i do have um sorry i just want to ask have you got an advent calendar this year at all me, me? yeah either of it yeah oh. yeah got a kit uh, one over here oh, uh, kit cat. i had one uh but every single year the kids take it so I've not oh. had a single piece of. What's what's the kit? What is the kit cut one? Just the same thing every day? So it's just a little kit cut. It, it it's massive. Hold on, do you want me to get it for you? Not that yeah, anybody yeah, at yeah. home's gonna see it. Oh, I want to see this. It's massive. <laughs> like, look at this bad God, boy. That is pretty look big. how thick the box is. So ah. is it just like do you get a stick of Kit Kat so, each day? So actually, there's no Kit as in like the wafer thing. It's not actually, mm. in it's the Kit Kat. You know, they want they want they do that closer to a truffle. So, oh, okay. So some days it's like a little Santa, some days it's a little reindeer, nice. some days it's like a round ball with like more truffly stuff mm-hmm. inside. But yeah, it's like chocolate truffle with like smashed up bit of like Kit Kat, nice. I suppose, to make it slightly crunchy. I've got Very nice. It was two pound uh, fifty. I've got a Cadbury's Miniature Heroes one this year. Um, mm. This morning I had uh, there was the cream egg one in it. I feel like I've been swindled though, and if you'd let me, I've needed somewhere to vent this for a few days actually. Um, so there's nine different varieties in the miniature heroes one, um, including the whisper. And whisper's one of the best ones. Love a whisper. I'm ten days in, haven't had the whisper one yet. Um, but I did have Cadbury's Dairy Milk one two days in a row. I feel like there was an error in the packaging. I feel like one of those was meant to be Whisper, and instead I got two Dairy Milks. So I feel like I've been shortchanged on a Whisper, and now I'm very sad. Well, Ed uh, has got this advent calendar here, which is a Dairy Milk. Oh, hello. Of one. Oh, it's like a tower. But it's, but it's, so, it's, it's like, like a it's tower. Like the size of an Xbox One X. Sorry, not One X, <laughs> Series X. And like you look at the packaging, and it's like, Chocolate buttons, nice. Dairy milks, nice. Freddos, mm. nice. Curly whirlies, mm. chomps. Mm. And for the first four days, oh, and fudges. He had yeah. two curly whirlies, day one and two. It's like, what? Mix it up. Come on. Then two chomps, what? and then a fudge. He was furious to the point where I had to go <laughs> and get him another advent oh, calendar. Oh, God. Um, uh, yeah. And Freddos his favourite. He's not had one yet. And he's oh, had, he got yet. a bag of buttons this morning, which was. Uh, oh no! Yesterday, just in case anybody crowd. else is is doing this, but yeah, yeah, he's 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 not a happy boy. No, well, I can sympathise. Maybe we need to write a joint letter to Mister Capri. Um, I'm not even I'm... joking. My wife did actually write and complain <laughs> to Capri. <laughs> there we go. Um, I've got an email here from uh, Killian Burgess. He says, "Hi all, thank you for providing much needed escape and entertainment over the past two years. You're welcome." I'm an Irish listener and just writing in with a pronunciation pronunciation pronounce pronunciation <laughs> there we go uh, tip. I heard you talking about the killing of a sacred deer on the most recent episode and pronounced Barry Schmidt. Let me get the right name. Barry Keegan's name is Kean. His surname is actually pronounced Keegan. I'd always said Kean. Thank you for correcting that. I think it's because there was a footballer called had the surname Keo, so I always thought it was just like Keo and Kean. But there we go. I've been corrected. Keegan. And if I ever meet him, I now won't make a fool of myself. So thank you, Killian. Also, if you're fans of his, you should check out Love Hate. It's a brilliant Irish gangster series starring him, Robert Sheehan, Ruth Negger, and Aidan Gillen. It's my all-time favourite series. I've never heard of that series, and that is a ridiculously good cast. So I may have to look that up. Thank you for the suggestion. Anyway, keep up up the great work and respect the sea best, Killian. Thank you for that. I will look up that series and maybe go. treat myself to some Irish gangsters at Christmas. 
Well, there's podcast headlines all throughout this, isn't there? Uh, but that, unfortunately, is the end of this week's podcast. Uh, thank you, Matt, and thank you, Simon. Um, it's a pleasure. We've got a few more to squeeze in before the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, some biggies, so hopefully uh, everyone will enjoy doing that. But for now, that's it, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye-bye. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.